Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. If you want to get in touch with the show, email us at IllegalMotionPodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Illegal underscore Motion. Thanks for downloading. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Los Angeles, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And joining us from Nashville, straight out of the film room where he's been studying pretty much every recruit in the country, it seems, it's the coach, Corey Burton. What's going on? uh, Professor, I'm doing something uh, new and unprecedented in Illegal Motion Podcast history. I I am actually live from Interstate 40. Well, make, make sure you keep at least one hand on the wheel during during the pod. We don't want you going off the road here. But right. uh, I, I, I got I to shuffle. I got to figure out a creative way to shuffle my notes, and uh, I got to keep it between the mustard and mayonnaise. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, you know what? It's, today is the day after National Signing Day, and we're back to uh, take a look at the class of 2016, as well as discuss some of the major coordinator hires that have taken place since the end of the season. But first, it's time for our quick slant, so I'm going to toss it over to you, Coach. All right. Well, uh, for my quick slant, I just I wanted to kind of dive into the uh, University of Georgia, uh, talk about UGA's class and with the uh, with the coaching change that happened and the double duty that Kirby Smart was pulling. Uh, I just want to first say, what? What did you say? I didn't say anything. Uh, Keep on going. Uh, I thought okay, maybe that was just my thing glitching. Um, but uh, no, I just want to say that. You know, to pull a top 10 class with a chance to get even better with Demetrius Robinson still on the table, I think Kirby Smart, for being on the job for four weeks full-time, I think he's done a tremendous job at putting this class together, holding together the pieces that he needed to hold together, getting a few new pieces, getting a few guys to flip, uh, with Michael Carter being the biggest flip coming over from Alabama. Um, you get me, you're able to get me, Cole Hardman, who a lot of people had written off to Alabama because of his relationship with Jeremy Pruitt, um, to be able to salvage Jacob Beeson early on, get him to enroll early when, when it was, when it was unsure that he was going to, he was going to come. Uh, Isaac Nauta, number one tight end, Julian Rochester coming in at defensive tackle. I mean, he's got, he's got most of his needs. Um, and admittedly to, admittedly from Kirby Sparto, um, the only piece you got to look at that he didn't address, that he wanted to address, was offensive tackle. Uh, losing EJ Price was was a huge deal. Uh, losing him to USC um, reasons are still kind of up in the air. Some crazy stuff was going on with that. Not saying that they're cheating, but there's something weird going on with that because you know he's 30 minutes away from Athens. He wanted to go to Athens, but there's no telling. But uh, you know, very pleased with the class, and I think he did a tremendous job. Um, I think that the uh, future of the offense is going to be a very good one. Um, and then next year, he'll look to address offensive line when he has a full recruiting cycle as, a, as head coach at UGA. Nice. Yeah, I think that, you know, I, you know, and we were talking a little bit before the show, and you, know, you, you sound like, you know, as a Georgia alum, that you are pretty pleased with this, uh, with this of uh, Kirby Smart's first class. Um, so, I mean, so you so say you're feeling that, you know, do you feel like there's like a new, like blood or new life in the program, I guess, moving on from yeah. Rex? It just, you know, do you yeah. feel like there's a different kind of energy? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, totally different energy. I think that, you know, sometimes, even when you deal with legends, it's always tough for somebody like Rick to uh, to be let go. But, you know, sometimes it's just a necessary thing that has to happen. Uh, Kirby Smart has come in. He's a, he's a Georgia alum, which helps. Uh, which helps his passion for the job. I think that's, you know, his legitimately his destination dream job. So um, I think he's excited. You can see. Um, and he did a lot of work. And what, what's, what's coming to fruition now with this class, and you have to think that he pulled a lot more double duty than, um, than, you, than you maybe uh, were once led on to believe when he was at Alabama prepping for the national championship. So, um you know, hopefully it'll translate on the field. And as a Georgia alum, I'm very much excited. Um, I hope the, hope the spring game is televised. I think the crowd will be there, and uh, I think just collectively, Georgia's very, very excited to have its have its guy, have its, have a new coach in town. Even though he's a rookie head coach, and I'm I'm a little nervous for him. I think that he exceeded expectations on on his first signing day um, after only being on the job for four months, so or four weeks. I mean, excuse me, but. You know, we'll see. We'll see how it translates to the field. Hopefully, he can. Uh, hopefully, he can uh, surprise us again with uh, with what he does on the field. All right. Well, uh, thanks, Coach. Uh, for my slant, I wanted to highlight a couple of uh, assistant coaches because, I mean, as you know, Coach, um, most of the top recruiters in the country aren't head coaches. They are, in fact, position coaches, offensive and defensive coordinators, and so. Right. Um, I wanted to, to take a look at highlight just a couple of guys that I thought were particularly impressive um, on the recruiting trail. Guys whose names you might not know as well. Um, and I'm going to start in uh, in Madison, where wide receiver coach Ted Gilmore um, was by far the shining star of this recruiting class in terms of uh, you know positional coaches recruiting for the team. Um, he pulled in the number one player from Missouri, rivals 300 athlete AJ Taylor, a guy who's going to do a little bit of everything. You'll see him in the slot. You'll see him lining up in the backfield um, out wide. They're going to move him around a lot. I expect to see him on you know, those classic money ball, jet, uh, sorry, um, jet sweeps, whether it was Melvin Gordon money ball um, back in the, in the heyday of the Chris offense. Um, he also landed sleeper wide receiver Quintez Cephas from Georgia, a guy who was originally committed to Furman to play basketball, but um, was a late bloomer, but got you know some big offers towards again, Miami, uh, Georgia, Georgia Tech was interested in him, but he stayed firm to Wisconsin. Uh, I think he's going to be um, a big He's a bigger kid, 6'3", you know, 210, can really go up and get it, high point the ball. Uh, they, he's a little bit raw, but they expect big things from him in the future. Um, Gilmore was also responsible for another three-star receiver in Kendrick Pryor, Texas defensive back Caesar Williams, and a, another guy with a huge upside um, in Isaiah Loudermilk, a six foot seven, two hundred eighty-five pan, pound, eight-man st- uh, football standout from Kansas. He played a little bit of everything there, everything on offense, everything on defense. Um, just a, a really great athlete that they expect to use along the defensive line um, at, at all three positions in uh, new coordinator. Um, Justin Wilcox defense. So we'll get to Wilcox a little bit later in the podcast. But elsewhere in the country, T. Martin was an absolute beast on the recruiting trail uh, for USC. He brought in five-star linebacker Jack Jones, four-star uh, defensive end Wole Batiku, uh, 
Um, also, Brent Venables uh, was able to ride Clemson's title game run to grab two of the top safeties in the country, and Trayvon Mullen and Isaiah Simmons. Uh, Coach O, a favorite of the podcast, Ed Orgeron, down in Baton Rouge, continued his great work being talent along the Bayou Bengals defensive line. Uh, Richard Lawrence, Edwin Alexander, these two in-state standouts, uh, two rivals 300, four-star players, uh, defensive tackles, are destined to continue a very strong lineage of interior beast from LSU. Um, finally, uh, shout out to Florida State Seminole offensive line coach Rick Trickett. Um, he landed some massive offensive tackles uh, in Landon Dickerson, Josh Ball, and Jawan Williams. Uh, those three guys average 6'6", 300. I bet you'll be seeing them uh, along uh, the offensive line opening up some holes for um uh, for, for those running backs, and he also brought in center Ravon Johnson, um, another uh, big body for the offensive line. So um, expect big things out of the seminal offensive line in years to come. Um, obviously, there's a bunch of other guys I missed, but just want to shine a little bit of light on a couple of these guys who caught my eye. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those, you know, you couldn't say it better yourself. Brent Mittables was uh, actually the rival's uh, recruiter of the year. Um, for what he did, pulling two of the top rivals, 100 kids out of the top 10, really. Um, but, uh, yeah, all great names. All of them do a great job. T. Barton has been traditionally, year in and year out, killing it on the recruiting trail. Um, a guy that has been on the, on, the east, on the East Coast for a long time or in the eastern part of the country. And then, you know, as soon as he got his job at USC, he's, you know, he's taken off from there and, you know, I've been very impressed with what T. Martin has done. I, I thought Tennessee for a minute was going to bring him back in, but uh, I guess they weren't able to lure him away. So, um, you know, good job to USC for, you know, battling the adversity of having an unstable coaching staff to sign such a great class and to, to get some of the guys that they got. So uh, very impressed with that. Very impressed with Venables. Of course, um, you know, very impressive what Wisconsin was able to do. They, uh, you know, they're, they're seeing an uptick in their recruiting. Um, typically they're middle of the, middle of the pack, but, you know, all those names you just. Named, uh, yeah, I mean, they, you know, they, they finished as rivals uh, number 33 this year, uh, the 33 best, 33rd best recruiting class, I should say. And, you know, for Wisconsin, that's one of, if not the best recruiting class they've ever had. And I think it's funny, you know, you read on, you know, the rivals pages and they're talking about how you know, this is a really solid class for Wisconsin. Had a lot of prospects with a lot of upside to typically a developmental program. So, uh, you know, they don't typically get, the, you know, the kind of four or five stars guys were going to come in and contribute right away. Although the aforementioned AJ Taylor and I expect defensive tackle Garrett Rand out of Chandler, Arizona, both to come in and see a lot of early playing time. But this is typically a program that, you know, brings in three-star guys, coaches them up to to make them, you know, um, all conference type of players. But, you know, then when you read something like ESPN, they give them, you know, it gives them a C plus and all it's looking at is, you know, it's just, you know, numbers. They're not actually looking and thinking about, okay, you know, what does it mean for the, for this class? Is this like a good class for the school? And I don't think this is a C-plus recruiting class. They gave the C-plus to Iowa as well. I think these are both very, you know, B-plus, A-minus type of classes considering the histories at these schools. So I think Rivals does a really nice job of, um, you know, just looking at um, the class and sort of evaluating it as a whole and not just on the numbers. 
So yeah, not, 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 not to plug rivals or anything like that, but um, yeah. I, I, I think that there is a much more um, balanced coverage. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, when you when you look at the when you look at the rankings and you look at who goes where, you, you gotta you gotta take a look at Alabama. Um, if we're, if we're, if we're throwing props out there, if we're gonna start looking at at some of these. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, well, I mean let, let's start talking about, about these top classes. I mean, we're done with those uh, other quick slants. So let's move on. I think that sort of the consensus across all the different sites, um, top classes were Alabama, Florida State, and Ohio State. Those three kind of stood out above the rest. Might want to throw an Ole Miss. But, uh, Corey, let's, let's start um, with the reigning national champs. Uh, they brought in another just uh, beast of a class this year. Yeah, I mean, you think that, you know, with – they signed two really stud linebackers, Ben Davis, Lindell Wilson, or Mac Wilson, as he's known in, uh, in, in the recruiting circles. But, you know, you think that, you know, Mac Wilson sees Ben Davis committed or vice versa, and you think maybe one of them's going to go elsewhere. But, you know, Alabama's able to, to, to recruit and land both of them. Um, Georgia, Kirby Smart came away thinking he was going to get at least one of those two. Uh, got none of them, but uh, Alabama did a good job there. They got tackled Jonah Williams. Um, you know, you, you also look at running back B.J. Emmons, under uh, Under Armour All American. Um, you know, you look at Nigel Knott. You look at Terrell Hall, which is a defensive end. Uh, Shy Carter at cornerback. Uh, Kendall Holt Jones from Texas, one of the biggest human beings I've ever seen. Um, well, he was at the five star challenge this year back in uh, back in June in Baltimore. I uh, I stood next to him and I saw like a little kid, and uh, I'm I'm twice his age, which which is kind of scary. So um, those are those are a few of the highlights from the Alabama class. I won't go through every every single one of them. But yeah, you know, um, and, and this class, like you know like history has shown us, you know, their, you know, their strength across the board. It's not like, you know, some schools like LSU, I think traditionally gets a lot of really great D linemen and cornerbacks. Uh, you look at a school like Iowa always gets, you know, better offensive linemen or offensive line recruits because of the tradition there is, you know, going to usually be a little bit better than the rest of the class. But Alabama just seems to be strength across the board. No real weaknesses in this class. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say if I had to pinpoint a weakness, um, they probably uh, – I think the thing that hurts them the most is uh, their lack of wide receiver. Um, they they lost um, – actually, they lost Calvin Ridley's younger brother to Georgia, um, ironically, because um, everyone had him penciled in uh, immediately to go to uh, go to Alabama out of Deerfield Beach. But uh, he ended up signing with Georgia, ended up enrolling early at Georgia, so that was a major win for, for Kirby Smart. But, you know – I guess if I guess if I have to stretch and find a weakness in this class, I guess I guess I'm gonna say wide receiver. Um, right. A position that positions that they're they're pretty thin at um, as, as we speak. I mean, you have Calvin Ridley, and really that's about all they have at that well, position. Well, they got Howard going back at tight end. Yeah, they do. They do. Um, know, and he, which and is he, good. He showed himself in the championship game to be, you know, a force to be reckoned with. So, I mean, if you're, I mean, and he didn't hardly really catch any passes all year long. That was his first touchdown. I know, which all is kind long. of crazy considering he was a big five-star recruit a couple of years ago. So, yeah, I remember him coming out as probably one of the, 
and he, he might still be over the last five years still might be the best tight end prospect to to come out um isaac is going to challenge that this year uh, as the number one tight end yeah um but i haven't seen i haven't seen a tight end recruit as good as oj howard yeah, he's a, he, you know he he's a he's a physical specimen. So yeah. uh, let's move on to um, uh, the national champs from uh, from the previous season, Ohio State. Um, you know, again, Urban Meyer just getting guys left and right. You know, pretty much picking the guys that he wants to get. Not involved in a lot of real battles because it seems like he just wraps up these guys early. Yeah, I mean, there's never really any drama when it comes to Ohio State's recruiting. Um, they, they, I guess they had that by, by design. You know, Nick Bosa, the younger brother of Joey Bosa, um, signing on the dotted line for Ohio State. But, you know, I, I, I kind of like that idea. It, it, for the fans, it, it's not that exciting because you don't have a whole lot of guys announcing on signing day. and there's, It doesn't seem like there's a whole lot to be cheering about because it's really kind of a, more of a, it, your day's done by 11 a.m. when everyone's faxed in their letters of intent. But, you know, you have to look at this and just be completely, completely excited. And, uh, you know, a, a tremendous job well done by, by uh, Urban Meyer. Yeah, I mean, you know, but, you know, I mean, this year, I, I just remember in season off the top of my head, he flipped at least three kids in season from other Big Ten schools. Got Antonio Williams from Wisconsin, flipped to two Maryland guys later on in the process, um, and uh, what Keandre Jones, a five-star linebacker, who's going to be, you know, an absolute um, wrecking crew for them, as well as um, – uh, uh, and, you know, as well as the quarterback, Dwayne Haskins Jr., um, dual threat kind of guy out of Potomac, Maryland. Uh, you know, they've got, uh, you know, another guy I like a little bit more under the radar is linebacker Tuff Borland for them um, out of Bolingbrook, Illinois. He is, uh, you know, he's only a three-star recruit, but he is tough as nails. And, you know, I, you know, I expect him to be the kind of guy, uh, you know, who's to take another Ohio State guy, James Laurinaitis. He reminds me of him a lot. Just all, knows for the ball, always making tackles, plays all across the field. Yeah, I mean, you, you know who I like? I, I, like uh, I like Dwayne Askins, uh, one of the Maryland kids. Uh, he's one of my favorites. 6'3", 198. I mean, the kid's a ball player. And that kid's going to be a special ball player for Urban Meyer. I, I, I'm really impressed with what he's able to do. Um, and, and I think he's going to be a good move for him. I, I really like Demario McCall. He's a, he's an all-purpose back, uh, a guy that can, that can do a little bit of everything uh, for the Buckeyes. And, and I think, again, you know, another tremendous class. I, I think I think the most important I think the most important thing for Urban Meyer is that he filled a lot of his needs. He got a lot of the pieces that he needed. Didn't need a whole lot of drama to do so. And, and I think that he improved a lot, especially on the defensive side of the ball in this class. Definitely. Yeah, and just one last thing in this class. They they got four tight ends, which I think is, you know, very interesting. Um, you know, Luke Farrell, Luke Farrell, forced out of Perry, Ohio. Um, Jake Hausman, a, a big kid from Cincinnati, 6'4", 228, but he's got a huge frame. I expect big things out of him. Kieri Hawkins from Maple Heights, Ohio, as well as athlete Malik Harrison, who projects as uh, an eight-back. And so I, I think it's interesting that they're loading up on, you know, the tight end position, really versatile um, position for, 
you, uh, you know, Urban Meyer's offense can use, you know, because it can be effective in both the run and the pass game. Um, you know, if you can get a, a good tight end who can do a little bit of everything, like your Isaac uh, Nuata, Nuata at Georgia, I think that, you know, you can open up, you know, things for, you know, the offense that a lot of other teams won't be able to have. Here's what's here's what special on, on those, on that uh, quattro of tight ends right there. Um, you know, and I, I think what, I think what Urban Meyer's done is he's really, you know, with, with his offense, they do a lot of stat eye. They do a lot of H-back stuff. They do a lot of H-back tight end um, wing stack stuff or a lot of, like, double tight. I, I think he's getting these tight end types that can run a little bit to be H-back so that if he goes double tight, he can go double tight. If he needs two H-backs, he can go two H-backs in sort of a diamond set. He, He's going to be able to open up and, and do a lot more with bigger athletic bodies in there, um, which, you know, with, when you run a power option scheme or a lead option scheme, it's it's one of those where, you know, you have a lot of lead blocking going on. Um, you need a bigger guy that can block in space, uh, both from the line and from, you know, backfield position. So I think I think really he's creating a two-deep um, at tight end and H-back you know, I think one of those guys will probably the most athletic of those, the two most athletic guys will jump back in the backfield and play most of the H back and the other two will, will be tight ends and then they'll just be able to fill in for each other. Yeah. So got a nice. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm just, I'm interested to see, you know, sort of what wrinkles um, he'll bring in the offense going forward. Um, well, the one other, um, you know, really great recruiting class this year, it seems is from the, cha- uh, the national champion from two years ago. So three best classes, three last champ, uh, three last national champions. Uh, obviously we're talking about Florida state and the crown jewel of that class is cornerback uh, Levante Taylor. Uh, he has been, you know, he's been committed for almost a year now, um, but he, you know, he's just been a standout since, you know, really early on in the process, one of the top defensive backs in uh, the country this year. Um, actually, in fact, he is the number one cornerback in rivals, uh, five-star, number 10 national recruit. So, but building around him, they got a lot of guys on signing day, um, you know, and again, they are, um, they, like I said earlier, they've got a couple really good offensive linemen. But my, the big question about this class, obviously, is going to be can Malik Henry, the quarterback from Long Beach, um, you know, sort of stand up? He's a pretty skinny kid. So um, what are your thoughts on the Seminole class? Well, I absolutely love it. They were able to get Jawan Williams. They were able to get uh, – they were actually able to flip a couple of Florida commits. Um, and is – and I'm going to screw this first name up. But Antaeus Clayton, he's from Dooley County, Georgia, committed to Florida for a really long time. Last minute, be able to flip over. Um, also, Brian Burns from American Heritage. Um, he, he's a defensive end, six four and a half, about two ten. Gonna gotta play that outside linebacker, defensive end, put some weight on him type type kid. Um, you know, you look at obviously Malik Henry being the being one of the uh, key pieces to this. Lamonte Taylor coming out of Virginia Beach at corner. They seem to kind of find those gems every once in a while from Virginia. Uh, Landon Dickerson is, is, is one that I really like. Um, offensive tackle, 6'5", 300. Um, kid out of North Carolina that I was very impressed with. Very physical. Uh, just kind of seemed to have a nasty streak to him. Uh, Bavion Johnson coming in at center, 6'3", 310. He's from Lake Gibson. Um, Typically, a lot of your good linemen in the state of Florida come from the panhandle and that panhandle corridor there where, where it starts to kind of go down into the uh, state of Florida. But 
Uh, a lot of those kids in the Lakeland area, um, that halfway point between Jacksonville and Tallahassee, um, a lot of those, a lot of your good linemen will come from that area. Um, maybe on Johnson is one of them. Uh, yeah, you know, really, just really impressed with this class. Yeah, and uh, yeah, two. Uh, one of the guys I'm really excited about is Janarius Robinson, the big defensive end out of Panama City. He's six six, two fifty three, and it feels like he could add forty pounds of muscle and still be so lean. He's got a big frame. Um, I'm expecting, you know, he might take he might take a year or two to develop, but I expect him to turn into a real beast. And last but not least. Ricky Aguayo, younger brother of current Florida State kicker Roberto Aguayo, who has been the best in the one of the best in the country for the last three seasons. Um, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna expect Aguayo to take a redshirt year, let his brother play out the senior year, and then take the next four years of Florida State kicking, so we can get eight years in a row of Aguayo's kicking field goals and extra points for the Knolls. Absolutely, coming out of IMG Sports Academy, um, very good get for him. You know, yeah. obviously, you know, an you obvious know. kid for him. <laughs> yeah, I, but uh, you know who's uh, you know you know who's the coach on there at IMG? Uh, Chris Winky. Yeah, Chris Winky. Uh, former yeah, Florida State Pipeline. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, you can definitely see why there might be a little bit of a uh, um, little bit of synergy going on there. From yeah, IMG, IMG produces so many great recruits every single year. And, and guess who Isaac Donna's number two team was? Uh, who? FSU. He was committed to FSU for a minute. Yeah. Um, he's uh, but the thing about Isaac Nato was he was uh, he grew up in Buford, played uh, all the way up to his junior year at Buford High School, um, and then decided to transfer for his senior season to IMG. So he hadn't been there his whole career. Um, they were just borrowing him for a year. So at heart, I think he's a Georgia kid. I think he wanted to play for Georgia, but it was one of those where he was unsure of the coaching situation. Didn't want to jump into a bad situation where. Um, you know, you lose a whole bunch of games with a with a burnout coach, and um, I think he kind of saw that. And then once once they hired Kirby, and he felt like they made the right hire, he jumped right on board, committed at the Army All American Bowl, and uh, hasn't looked back since. But you know, he's excited to be there. But IMG, man, I you know, it's one of the I want to get a chance to see IMG play um, some games in Florida. I want to, I want to, I want to flip on a couple of their games and I'd be excited to see what, what I'd, they have. Honestly, I'd want to go to their practices almost more than their games. I would I would love to see some of the stuff they're yep. doing on there because not only do they have great athletes, but I feel like uh, you know, Winky has, you know, a very sort of mature system for them to play in. It's not, you know, just spread it out and sling it around the field. It's a all it's a pro style system pretty much. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh yeah, it's kinda of pro style system. It's uh you know, Scott, I, I think stuff like that, you have to be multiple in what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, not multiple. Well, we see. identity fall back on, but, yeah, and, and I think that's what IMG has. Um, it doesn't hurt that they have, you know, all the top players in the country, all the you know, they can go out and just pick whoever they want to because it's a sporting school, but um, that certainly doesn't hurt. But I, I think, scheme-wise, I, I still think if they were just a regular high school, I still think they would do really well uh, mm-hmm. based on what their scheme is because, I, you know, I, I think as, 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 as poor of an NFL quarterback as Chris Winkie was for Heisman Trophy winner, you know, I, I think he was high- where he learned everything from Mark 
Rick and Nelson and, and yeah, I just think he's you know, he's done a good job at IMG and I think he's found his niche. But uh, a game that I'd be really excited to see actually is IMG versus St. Thomas Aquinas. I think mm. that would be an epic showdown. Yeah, absolutely it would. Well, um, we got to talk real quickly about some of these uh, uh, big last-minute signings. We talked about last time we we were together, uh, you know, some of the late undecided guys. So we're just going to go through them real quick. Um, Coach, you're obviously excited about Nicole Hardman, uh, the athlete from Boom, Georgia, five-star guy. who really play anywhere um, on the field committed to the dogs. Yeah, I'm very excited about him. Uh, he's a guy that can, like you said, like that can help you out anywhere. Um I think I'm going to project him to be on the defensive side of the ball, but, you know, a, a, a kid that was, you know, seemed like he was a mortal lock for Alabama because of his uh, relationship with Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, and I think I mentioned that earlier in the show, but uh, uh, somebody that I think Georgia fans are going to be tremendously excited to get. Definitely. Well, one guy they're going to be seeing every year because of the crossover is uh, wide receiver Nate Craig Myers, a big, big body wide receiver out of Tampa guy I'm really high on. He committed to Auburn, um, uh, you know, on the last minute. So I know that he has sort of been really up in the air right until the end. But he's, you know, he's a real good get for what turned out to be, you know, a pretty impressive class for for the Tigers. Yeah, uh, a class that I didn't get a chance to, to really dive into there. They're kind of like at the bottom end of that top 10. Uh, surprisingly, top 10 class because of the shape that Gus Malzahn seemed to be in. Uh, it kind of seemed like he was on the hot seat. kind of seemed like he was toxic and just couldn't, couldn't seem to hire a defensive coordinator for a long time, kept striking out. Uh, you were wondering, you know, just how secure he was and, you know, obviously, he's still able to pull in a top 10 class, so he must be more secure than me. But, uh, you know, Nick yeah, Myers. You know, speaking of, you know, speaking of that Auburn, Auburn class, you know, one of the other guys they signed on, they got on signing day was uh, defensive tackle Derek Brown, a big bodied kid out of Shirley, yeah. Georgia. Yeah, Lanier, Lanier High School. My cousin's actually his basketball coach, Jeremy Huckabee. Shout out to the Lanier Longhorns. But, uh, you know, Derek Brown, you know, you hate to see him, you hate to see him go out of state. He's going to be one of those, that's, you know, it's going to hurt seeing him shoot up for, for Auburn. But um, a tremendous, tremendous defensive tackle. But going back to Craig, Nate Craig Myers, committed to Auburn for a long time. Uh, his recruitment's kind of funny. Committed to Auburn for a long time. And then just all of a sudden decide, yeah, I guess there's all the turmoil going on with Gus Malzahn and their staff. I guess he decided he was going to open it back up, see what was out there, which I think he should have done from the, from the start. I think any any kid that's coming through the recruiting process really just needs to take their time. Um, a kid I've been sort of mentoring uh, or helping mentor, Jacoby Stevens, who's, a, who's going to be a, one of the top safeties in the class in 2017. But... Uh, you know, I, he was committed to LSU for a long time and recently decommitted. And, you know, I was talking to him about, you know, what a great move that is, whether whether or not he ends up back at LSU um, is, is irrelevant to the argument. I just told him that it was a good decision that, you know, if he committed so soon that, you know, back away, you know, see what else is out there. You have plenty of other offers. There's plenty of other great universities out there. Uh, take a look around and it's, there's, if you still are in love with LSU, if the 
if there's still a spot for you there, by all means, recommit, sign, you know, but just make sure that it's the decision that you wanted to make. And I think that big Craig Myers did a good job of doing that with his recruitment. Um, I mean, the kid can play. You know, the kid was going to be a be an electric ball player wherever he ended up. You know, whether it was Auburn, whether it was, you know, North Carolina, Old Miss, or if he decided to throw a wild card out there and go somewhere else, it really didn't matter where he ended up. He was, he was going to pretty much get immediate playing time wherever he went. Um, but he evaluated all the situations, kind of, kind of took, kind of took a step back, looked at everything, reaffirmed to Auburn, uh, great gift for Gus Malzahn, great choice for, for him, uh, for all the, for all the Auburn war tiger eagles, um, it's going to be a great, great pickup for them. Derek Brown and Nate Craig Myers are two guys, uh, that are going to be impact players from day one at Auburn. Yeah, well, um, well, we got to move across the state. Uh, you know, we talked about him earlier. Ben Davis also committed on signing day to Alabama. Uh, wasn't really a surprise. Feel like you know everyone. It was sort of an open secret that he was going to be committing to Bama. But um, you know, coach, he's an absolute beast up the middle. We already we already sort of talked about him. So we'll keep yeah. moving forward. Um, obviously, the biggest news on signing day: number one prospect in the country, defensive tackle Rashawn Gary, uh, committing to Michigan, and so. Um, you know, I think this this is obviously a coup for Harbaugh, who has been the hottest name for better or for worse uh, throughout pretty much this entire recruiting cycle. Whether he's sleeping over at a recruit's house on a personal note, that's creepy. Um, but you know, or you know, just doing sort of big things, different things. Uh, he's really getting noticed, and that Michigan class, you know, ended up in the top ten. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you get you get a guy like Rashawn Gary, especially going into New Jersey. Um, a place that's typically been um, typically been run by Penn State and Ohio State. Um, you go into New Jersey, you're able to, to get kid to get a to get the number one player in the country um, out of New Jersey, which you know then I don't think Rutgers really ever had a chance. But um, you know, you, you go into a place like New Jersey that you know you're competing with Maryland, Penn State, Pitt. You're competing with Ohio State. You're competing with um, really even Michigan State, to be honest with you, uh, the way Michigan's been lately. But, you know, I think Harbaugh coming in his first year signing number 40 class, this year signing top 10. Um, tremendous job I have. Rashawn Gary, I mean, you know, those have been a country for a reason. You know, there's not, there's not a lot that I can say about him that you don't already know. Yeah, I mean, we, we already know about Rashawn Gary. Um, another guy, a big guy for them is guard Ben Bredesen out of Arrowhead, Wisconsin. He is an absolute mauler of a guard. He's a, he's the kind of kid who is, you know, already strong as an ox and will probably step in um, from day one, maybe, you know, lock down one of those guards positions for three or four years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that was him and Rashawn Gary. Well, Rashawn Gary, obviously, but uh, he, was, he was one of my favorite signees for Michigan. Uh, I, I think that's, that's going to be – a huge piece, literally and figuratively, for Jim Harbaugh. Um, you know, you're you're going to get a four-year starter at guard. He's an NFL, he's going to be an NFL guy. Um, a guy that I'm sure fans hated to see go. I mean, you know, especially. Constant 
Coach? Matt. Coach? Professor, can you hear me? Yeah, we lost you there for a second. Uh, well, I, I, what I was asking you, um, and I don't, I don't know how much of this you heard, but I heard none uh, of that. Talking, I was talking about Ben Bredesen. I was talking about how I, I think Michigan's getting a four-year starter, how uh, he's going to be an NFL guy. And uh, my question that I posed to you, all right, I yep. posed a question to you. Um, the offensive line factory that is Arrowhead High School located in Wisconsin, I was yep. saying, I was asking you how bad uh, do Badger fans hurt losing Ben Bredesen? Honestly, you know what? This was surprisingly not as uh, not as hard. I think actually more Badger fans are upset about losing quarterback Nathan Stanley to Iowa. Bredesen, we kind of knew was going to go to Michigan because his brother Jack plays on Michigan's baseball team, and so um, and they have a really strong family connection to Michigan. Obviously, yeah, you know, best player in the state of Wisconsin, you know, almost always goes to Wisconsin. Didn't happen this year, but they got Cole Van Lannen who uh, projects actually as a tackle and. Uh, you know, is going to come in and push for playing time at right tackle probably immediately. Uh, he's an absolute ball, another four-star guy. So, um, and, you know, upside tackle Patrick Castle from uh, Twin Cities area also going to come in. He, he had one of the highest spark scores in the country, only a three-star guy. But, uh, you know, people are expecting big things out of him. I know one day you and I were watching his film coach, and actually we really liked him as a def- defensive lineman. Yeah, we did. Uh, I remember that. I, I, I kind of He's just a beast all around. I mean, he's going to be one of those kids that no matter where you put him. But um, I, I kind of, I, yeah, I kind of, like I said, I, I was, I was like, man, I want to coach D-line so I can coach this kid. But, oh, I know. Yeah, um, definitely. Well, yeah. So obviously, Michigan, great class for them. A um, couple last-minute signees, uh, EJ Price. You already talked about him. Ended up from Lawrenceville, Georgia. Ended up at USC. Kind of the one that got away for the dogs class this year. Um, yeah. And um, Meek Juarez from Torrance, California, uh, last day signed with UCLA, five-star linebacker. He's going to be um, a guy that, you know, will probably play um, in the middle of the defense, but really could play any of the linebacker position. You'd love to see him get his hand down in the dirt and third down, rush the quarterback a little bit too. The last guy we got to talk about, though, is Demetrius Robertson. He is uh, still the X factor in this class because he has not signed yet, and he is down to two schools, uh, Notre Dame and Georgia, and it looks like he's going to be uh, announcing sometime next week a uh, coach i know you obviously want this guy uh to be a dog and that would really put a nice little cherry on top of his class oh yeah no doubt um i you know i didn't think it was possible to add more speed to this to this class but i mean the, the guy's gonna come in and be the fastest guy in the class maybe the fastest guy in the school so um i mean the guy can straight burn uh he's from savannah you know you, you would think that savannah's dog country and 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 Georgia has a pretty good shot at him, and, and it's a mortal lock that he's coming to Georgia. That's not necessarily true. Notre Dame's been for him. Brian Van Corder's familiar with that Savannah area. That was his territory when he was at Georgia. So um, very familiar with the area, very familiar with uh, a lot of the coaches in that region. So um, you got to think that uh, he played a big part in Demetrius Robinson's recruitment uh, because of his relationships down in that part of the part of the state. So. Um, you know, be a tremendous gift for the uh, Zombie Irish, be a tremendous gift for Georgia. You know, anybody that can add that much speed and that much of a vertical threat to their passing game is, you know, is going to be, you know, adding a day one starter at yeah. wide receiver. Highly. And high. so, yeah. And Georgia's so thin at wide receiver, losing Malcolm Mitchell um, is going to 
is going to hurt um, a lot less if Demetrius Robinson comes in because now, now you have um, Terry Godwin. Uh, you had Demetrius Robinson coming in and possibly Michael Hardman um, if they decide to uh, put him in the Champ Bailey role where he just kind of doesn't ever come off the field. So um, things looking up for for the uh, – for the Georgia offense, especially with Demetrius Robinson possibly coming in. So I, I, I would really like that signing, um, really, as a Georgia fan. Um, and I'm going to inject a little homerism to this show if I haven't already. Um, you know, hope he signs with the dogs. But, you know, congratulations to Notre Dame um, if, if he ends up in your lap. So, um, you know, a guy that I'm excited to see where he goes. Kind of, he, He's one of those that's been kind of – Tight to the tight to the chest with his uh, recruiting process, so mm-hmm. um, very impressed with very impressed with him as a player. Kind of, I've heard him in, in a couple of interviews. I'm, I'm pretty impressed with, with the way he carries himself. Too, it doesn't, doesn't seem like a like a me me me. me. So, um, going to be exciting. We'll go back to Meek Juarez for a second. There, I I think he's one of the more versatile linebackers in this class, in this uh, signing group um, across the country. Uh, a guy that I think could could be in the middle of the defense for UCLA and, and defend the pass. He's, he's one of those bigger linebackers that can you know disrupt a bunch of passing lanes. I can, and he's another one of those guys I can just as easily see putting his hand down in the dirt playing defensive end. So very versatile guy. Um, you know, can do a lot with him. You can put him a lot in different places and really get creative with with how you use him. Um, no surprise that he ended up at UCLA. Really. Um, you know, he had some SEC schools, SEC powers that were coming after him and, and trying to get him, but um, ultimately landing at UCLA, which some people think it was a coup for UCLA. I, I don't really think so. I think uh, it wouldn't surprise me to, to find out that he was a silent for a long time. So um, very good get for them. Uh, EJ Price, real quick about him, uh, was a franchise left tackle. And... Uh, Looks like he'll be a franchise left tackle for USC, so um, good get for them as well. Definitely. Well, um, I think we're actually going to have to table our discussion of the coordinators. So I want to wait for Josh uh, for that because I know he's got some uh, interesting uh, takes on those. So uh, we'll probably be back, um, you know, later this week or this weekend, um, where we talk some defensive coordinator hires and. Um, then we're probably going to get into the silly season, talking mascots, talking stadiums, talking talking uh, college towns. And so we'll be having a little fun in the off season. But uh, this is a really nice uh, little recruiting wrap, Coach. So uh, any last words? Well, um, another very exciting recruiting season. Uh, you know, the, the All-Star games were, were actually pretty good. Uh, the, the whole process of, of following some of these recruitments were pretty interesting. You know, I, I think that, you know, for as much drama as there usually is, I, I think there was uh, a lot of situations that could have been handled poorly, but were but were handled great. I think you saw a lot of good. Uh, I think you saw a lot of good finishes from coaches that were fired um, at the end of the season, and for coaches coming in on short terms. Um, Miami pulled a top twenty class um, for being so pitiful during the season and firing Al Golden in the middle of the season. I think that's one of those things you can look at and say, you know how impressed that you were with that. So Yeah, they're um, going back up the state of Miami down there. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what they needed to do. And that's what they should have been doing from the jump. So I'm uh, very impressed with what they've been able to do. And and, and uh, I, I like their 
I like the way their class turned out. So kudos to Mark Rick, kudos to Kirby Smart, uh, kudos to Justin Fuente for signing the best class that he could possibly sign. Uh, you know, Bronco Mendenhall doing the best he can in an unfamiliar territory. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, you know, coming in, getting a top 10 class at Michigan when, when they had a kind of a mediocre season and, and they just, you know, been trying to rebuild the program. Uh, tremendous job there. Um, Ohio State always killing it. Florida State always finding a way to kill it on, on signing day. Um, my biggest disappointment uh, is Florida. I want to give Ole Miss props um, for the way they finish. Shea Patterson is going to be a franchise quarterback for them. Um, but Florida has to be, again, <laughs> they keep disappointing. Uh, they, they, they were projected to be top five class. Uh, they get a couple of flippers that, that go on over to, to Tallahassee. And uh, you got to think, you know, you got to scratch your head like, what, what, what's going on? And it kind of played out like the season played out where they were hot for a long time and then just collapsed down the stretch. So um, we're, it'll be an interesting, another interesting season in the SEC. Uh, another very competitive season in the SEC. I think the same is going to go for the Big Ten. I think Michigan's going to be a going to be a factor to deal with now for Ohio State. Um, you know, I think USC is uh, they're getting it at least recruiting. Uh, UCLA and USC are going to be two forces that are going to be uh, getting better and better each and every year. They're going to give Stanford a run for their money. Um, Stanford, tremendous pickup in KJ Costello, a quarterback. Um, Oregon picking up a kid from Memphis that we played against in the playoffs, Dylan Mitchell, um, a guy that just real smooth and, and straight line speed, uh, fit in well up there at Oregon. Um, you know, again, tremendous job by, um, you know, obviously Alabama winning the recruiting national title yet again. Um, the worst class in the SEC goes to Missouri. Um, you know, I think Tennessee did a tremendous job. At signing, uh, signing a good class. Vanderbilt, uh, Vanderbilt's getting better and better each and every year. Juwan Williams headlining that class. Um, want to give a shout out to my, my tight end, Justin Brown, signing at Cumberland yesterday, uh, signing a scholarship to play at Cumberland University. Um, tremendous job by him. Bryce Vickers from Father Ryan, signing as a, as a PWO over at Georgia Tech. Uh, tremendous. You know, big shout-out to Jeremy Darvin, defensive tackle, signing on at Western Kentucky, doing big things from Father Ryan. Uh, a, a pair of linemen at Brentwood Academy signing at SEC scholarships. Um, big goes to them. Some some big things coming out of Middle Tennessee. Uh, very impressive, uh, to say the least. Definitely, so, definitely. Well, I'll leave you with this, Coach. 364 days until signing day. Absolutely. All Let's right. get after it. Let's have another good recruiting season. And uh, maybe, maybe, maybe the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast is, is going to be in for big things in 2016. Yeah, so, we, we got to keep that under wraps for now. So, gotta, gotta, well, I'm def- we're destined for big things. I'm not, I'm not guaranteeing anything, anything, but we're destined for it. Coach, I love your optimism. All right. Well, uh, on behalf of the coach in Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins, in Los Angeles, California, saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. 
To get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.